Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Encounter Mercy podcast. I am tonight your host, which I am normally not. I'm Father Andy Boyd, as always. Um, and tonight, uh, if you hear in the background, you might hear my lovely dog Henry howling at the neighbors. So uh, he'll be in and out, I'm sure, because he's very playful tonight. But I am joined tonight not by Vince as normal. I am joined by AJ. And AJ, glad that you would be willing to come in at the last second and save me tonight. Oh, you're welcome. You know I am full of topics and uh, theological banter. Well, thank God, because I was, not only was I just, like, struggling today with a lot of things, um, uh, nothing, like, bad or, you know, earth-shattering, but it's just kind of like, today was one of those days where, like, you go from one task to another without um, stopping. Um, you know, I got up for my first mass of two out of the, for the day. I had the parish 8 a.m. mass and then I did the school, grade school, 9.30 mass. And then after that, I came home for five minutes and had a cup of coffee. And then I had to go to another appointment that ended up taking two hours. And then after I got to that, I got home for five minutes before I had to go to a dinner, uh, that I was invited to that went a little bit longer than I expected. So it's been a full day, a good day, but a full day. So, AJ, tell uh, me, so, what are we talking about today? Yeah, so I thought we'd talk about um, the gospel for today, um, January 27th. Uh, it's a long one. It's from Mark 4, verses 1 through 20, if you're keeping score at home. Uh, but it's the um, parable of the sower and the seeds. So uh, this is a typical, There's it's a Markin sandwich, right? It's like a tool Mark would use is he has a story. It's interrupted by something in the middle, and it continues it. Uh, so in this one, you know, he talking to a crowd. Um, he's in a boat on the sea and he brings up, talks about the sower who's sowing seed. There's seed that falls on the path, seed that falls on rocky soil, and uh, seed that falls among thorns. And then, you know, the ideal, it, then there's seed that falls on rich soil. And then he kind of goes away with his own personal disciples and close group. And they ask like, what does that mean? He explains it. So that's kind of the end of the sandwich. So when I was praying with this today uh, in my holy hour, I thought, well, let me connect the two, like, I guess, pieces of bread, if you will. Because God, or Christ introduces it, and then at the end, he like explains it. And uh, so with that, and then I, uh, like we were saying earlier, I have a commentary on scripture that takes all the church fathers' sayings, and it puts it verse by verse. Um, so kind of, I'll, I'll sprinkle that as we go in here, because it's really interesting, because um, as Andy, as you know, having taken scripture courses, context is important, uh, and knowing kind of the historical background. So he's talking to like right. an talking to a mostly agrarian uh society like they're farmers so they've gotten this um so i want to let me i'll just talk a little about each uh situation each scenario that uh, jesus talks about and then we can go from there so the first uh, scenario is the seed that's fallen on the path christ says is eaten by birds uh, and the interpretation here on jesus says is that satan takes away the word right right even before he can get in our heart takes it away. And then uh, St. Irenaeus comments on this and he says, it's like Satan is planting weeds while we're sleeping. Sounds like another parable too. No, the farmer plants the wheat, but then while he's asleep and away, Satan plants the weeds. We have, he moves on to the rocky ground with little soil. So what's the result? Uh, Grain springs, springs up immediately, but it's scorched in the sun because it doesn't have deep roots. Uh, Christ interprets that as the word is received with joy, but as soon as suffering comes around, it kills it. It dries up and scorches it. Um, the next one is it falls among thorns. 
And I think this is my favorite of the of the scenarios and the most interesting because it grows, the grain grows with the thorns, but the thorn chokes it out and doesn't bear any fruit. So Christ says that things like worldly anxiety, the lure of riches, and a craving for other things are what choke this out. Then we have the ideal situation, which is the rich soil. Uh, it produces fruit. It yields 30, 60, and 100-fold. Uh, Christ says that we should hear the word, accept the word, and then it bears fruit. And then the church fathers had some interesting things with this. Both uh, St. Chrysostom and St. Augustine say that it's uh, the big point here is the readiness of the ground is our disposition to receive. Now, it's not the sower's fault if we don't bear fruit own disposition. Then Augustine even says, um, clear out uh, all the crap in your soil, like move the rocks away, for, um, plow the hard ground, and you can turn your life from one of the other situations into a situation where you bear fruit. Yeah, I really, you know, that's a really good point to make there because um, in my homily this morning, I said that I had two masses today. I had a parish mass and then I had our grade school mass. But, um, and I basically said the exact same thing for each one, but I used some different imagery for the grade school. Because, you know, trying to speak to children all the way from preschool through eighth grade can be difficult. Uh, all the kids are at different points in their, not only their spiritual journey, but also their knowledge of the world. But I figured that something that we could all understand are roots of a plant. And so I talked about how when I was younger, and because uh, I think my mother has successfully um, gotten rid of, uh, is a nice way to put it, all of her spider plants. Have you ever seen a spider plant, AJ? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and have you ever repotted a spider plant? Not. Okay, when you repot a spider plant, um, their roots are very interesting. Because especially if you take a baby and you pluck it off, the way you restart a spider plant from a baby is you pluck it off the vine and then you stick it in a glass of water and you get to watch the roots grow. And I, as a kid, that really like meant a lot to me. It kind of impacted me a lot to understand how plants work. Um, and so I remember watching those uh, uh, roots grow and how deep they can grow and how big they grow and the plant is still remaining this tiny little plant you know it's nothing major it's not it's not like um, growing equally to its roots the roots grow first and get crazy long and start to spiral around on themselves before the plant actually starts to grow up and that's when you can then uh, replant it into soil so I was talking about with the kids is that you know, if we are supposed to be rooting ourselves in good soil, we have to first be willing to till that soil. And so it kind of feeds into what um, the saints were saying. And, uh, you know, we have to till that soil and make it uh, uh, fruitful for the plant, right? Because I could just take that plant and then you know, that, that all those uh, roots and stick it into rocky ground, like we're saying, and it's going to not go anywhere, right? It's not going to go anywhere. It's just going to, it might last for a short amount of time, but then it's just going to die because it has nothing to hold the moisture. It has nothing that's going to um, really help build up that plant. It's going to kill it. So when I was talking about that and talking about how our spiritual lives are kind of like those roots, but we also have to be willing to, uh, we have to be in a 
state of mind, essentially, a, a place in our life where when those roots are placed into the ground that they have to grow. Now, I know this sounds really confusing me as I re-say it now. Like, I don't know how it made any sense to the kids, but the teachers thought it was great. <laughs> so, but the point is that I agree entirely with what you're saying, and, and it's fascinating um, to hear that idea of the the, the dirt and uh, us being also ready for the seed that is going to be planted. So, um, because the other thing that I said to the adults is, you know, at times I think that we can find ourselves in any one of those states of being that Christ talked about. So, you know, at times we can find ourselves uh, amongst the thorns where everything we say is going to be squashed. Everything we say is we can try to help out, we can try to do the right thing, but instead we kind of, I don't know, get stuck is kind of the one way I'd say it. And then we, it gets, it gets squashed out of us. And what I was thinking about is a situation where I was talking with someone about how um, they're experiencing a difficult time at home. And this difficult time at home is something that they trained for at school. They went to school for psychology. They went to school to try to discuss these things with other people, right? So if someone else has a really bad day and these, this person comes in uh, off the street and they talk to this person as a counselor or a therapist or something. And, um, you know, he can help fix that person's life. You know, you and I, same idea. If someone comes into the confessional, we want to really try to help that person. But what does Christ say about that? A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. And so like, when we try to fix our families as the the spiritual counselor or the spiritual guide, um, we're not always going to be accepted by those and even within our own families. And so it can be difficult because we're called still to proclaim the good news. We're called to still do what God asks us to do. And what that is, is to tell the world of his message. But we can be kind of squashed by those vines in our own home. But yet when we're out in the public, you know, and I think this is a reflection for you and me, especially you're about to be ordained a deacon. You and I have an amazing opportunity, especially when we preach, because with the words that we say and the lessons that we proclaim, we have an opportunity to say to people the message of Christ. And even in this podcast, we have an opportunity with the five people that listen, um, you know, we have an opportunity to proclaim that message of Jesus Christ to these people. And I bet you any money, if my mother listened to this, she'd tell me all the things where I was wrong. But yet someone else listening to this is going to be able to take it in. And um, I mean, sure, they can still tell me that I'm wrong, but it might it might impact them in a different way um, than my experience with my mother. So... I think that we can find, every single one of us can find ourselves throughout our life being in different parts of the soil. We can be on the rocky ground, we can be on the path, we can be amongst the thorns, but then ultimately we pray that when we look back on our lives, we are in the fruitful soil for most of it. And that's just, I don't know, that's kind of what I was, I was thinking about with this gospel today. It's funny you mentioned your mom because uh, you said your mom would pick it apart. My mom just texts me and she's like, it's not working. The podcast stops after five minutes on my phone. So that's one of my parents is just helping him like with playback. That's so um, funny. Which podcast is hi, she mom. listening to? <laughs> Ours. Oh, <laughs> 
Oh, hi. Hi. I I want uh I don't think I've ever got to meet your mom, have I? I don't think so. I look forward to that if I get to come to your ordination because of COVID. That's really the major thing right now because who knows what's going to happen with that, but hopefully someday I, I mean, get yeah, to meet your mom. Priesthood that's a year and a half, so who that's knows. That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah, let's start praying for that. Start praying now. Um, yeah. But Father Andy, you said something interesting that it's kind of like the saying grace builds upon nature. Yeah. Is, you know, we have to we have to do a little work to till the soil to receive the word because what I've heard from some family and friends who were raised Catholic and have fallen away is they you know they say, "Oh, I tried the faith," or "I go to church now and I don't feel anything." Well, it's like, well, yeah, it's like the seeds getting planted in rocky soil, or right. it's taking root in your heart, but then it's being choked out. Right. So, uh, yeah, Saint Chrysostom says about the thorns, um, you know, we shouldn't be negligent in allowing the thorns to spring up. Right. The thorns, world of anxiety, lures of riches, craving for other things. Um, and he goes on to say that like world, world, worldly riches, evil in themselves, we care too much for them. That's the problem. Yes. Um, and so let me quote him. Let me quote him directly. Um, let us not place blame on what we possess, but on our own corrupt mind. For it is possible to be rich and not be deceived. It's possible to be in this world and not be choked with its cares. So it's okay to have cares or anxieties or desires, but it's what we do with them. You pulling out the thorn plant at the root, or are you letting it grow with right. the weeds? Um, so that was interesting because I kind of approached this parable as there are people who, because he goes through three examples. Here are people who have not uh, borne fruit, and even there's different levels of it. It maybe had never taken root, or it did, and nothing happened. Um, I think from the thorn one, let's move on and talk about the rocky soil. Yeah. Uh, so this is interesting because um, St. Athanasius says, these people are not likely to endure the complications that arise from afflictions if they are fixed upon the temporal and not confirmed in the faith. Ooh. So I think you, you've probably heard this as a priest more than I have, but um, it's the thing is, oh, you know, but these bad things have happened. If God loves me, why did it happen? Or, or the, fate, the faith takes root, the word takes root, but just barely, and then some huge tragedy comes in. Um, and I think even in times now with political situations or with COVID is people are super focused on just the temporal. Yes. That all this life is hard. It's getting worse. You know, I'm miserable because this could be all there is. Whereas if we put our hope in the faith, then like Christ says, the word will take root and we'll bear fruit. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's so true. You know, because it's funny that you mentioned that, especially with the whole commentary on our political scheme, uh, our political world, I should say, and everything that's going on there, because um, I've heard from people saying, oh, you know, I don't even believe in God anymore because there must not be a God if, if this president is elected because he's for abortion. And, and I mean, like, oh, I, wow. can, I can I can sympathize. Let me explain this now. I can sympathize with their... Being upset with a person calling themselves a practicing Catholic supporting abortion, I can understand that. I can sympathize with that, but I also can sympathize with the fact that that doesn't mean God doesn't exist. That doesn't mean God isn't here, right? Because people can make mistakes. People can be not perfect, and um, not only can they not uh, can they be not perfect, but we are not perfect. I don't know a single human being that walks the face of this earth at this moment that is perfect. And if we put our trust and hope 
in a political party or a political figurehead and expect that we're going to have, um, you know, the world is going to be perfect because they're in power or they exist, then we're putting our hope in the wrong place. We're putting our faith in the wrong person. What we need to be putting our faith and hope in is Jesus Christ, not in a political party, not in anything other than him. And so we really need to readjust our priorities and think about that. But it's so true. If we put all of our focus in the worldly things, money, riches, sex, any of that, it's it's putting our, uh, it's disordered affections as um, St. Uh, oh, why can't I remember now? Disordered affections. Is that Aquinas? Yes, I believe. And someone's going to tell me if I'm it's wrong. Easy. His feast day is tomorrow. No, he's big about uh, disordered uh, things, which are as like, yeah, because you know, like they should be ordered, which should be at the top, like our faith, our, our trust in God. You know, like um, St. Chrysostom said about the part of the thorns is these things aren't bad in themselves. Politics, that's not bad in itself. You know, riches, uh, um, pleasure, sex, these things yeah. are not bad in themselves they have proper ends yes but if they're not properly ordered in your own heart then it leads it leads to suffering so it makes sense that if you're putting all your hope in a political climate then that goes south well your faith goes south too because the word takes root in your heart it has little tiny roots and then the sun comes out scorches it and like you said the spider plant is if you go down first if you build the foundation then when it does get hot You've got to roots to survive it. St. Ignatius of Loyola. Yeah. I know. I, I, just, I could, it was on the I, tip I, of my tongue. I, yeah, but yeah, uh, that, yeah, that's good. exactly. Ignatius of Loyola speaks about um, disordered affections, disordered attachments, any of those things. Um, and, and when we have a disordered attachment to anything earthly, that's when we have a problem. Um, you know, this, I want it so badly virus, you know, wishing away our life, uh, to become, you know, the top of the company, to be the most attractive person, to be rich or recognized. That's key. Okay. And that's something I remember. I, um, when I went to, uh, have you, uh, AJ, have you ever heard of the Institute for Priestly Formation? It, yes. Okay, it's a it's a um, kind of like a summer program for seminarians that happens out in Omaha, Nebraska. Now, I didn't participate in the program, but I was there for parts of the program, um, and I remember going through the entire um, Ignatian spirituality and uh, 30-day retreat with Father Timothy Gallagher, an uh, excellent, excellent priest. Mm excellent writer. Wow. Um, worked with him one-on-one. -on -one. Wonderful man. Anyway, the point that I wanted to make with this is um, that in the Ignatian spirituality, the really important thing to pay attention to is when our, um, uh, our affections and what we want are disordered. And the biggest thing is, is when we pay attention to um, that we want to be recognized or seem important. And that means we're putting Ooh, yeah. ourselves ahead of other people. And what does Christ say about that? Once again, you know, I, if people want to say that we don't know much about our scripture, it's just the fact that I don't know exactly where he says it, but I can tell you that those who are first shall be last and the last shall be first, right? When you come into a um, 
dinner or a meal of importance, don't go automatically assuming that you're going to sit at the head table. Sit at one of the lower tables and have them elevate you to one of the higher tables. And even as a priest, you know, we if we go to a wedding uh, dinner, normally the family is going to want you to sit up at the head table or somewhere near it. I always make sure to stand by the door until they tell me where I'm supposed to sit because I don't want to assume that, you know, and then I go and sit at the tables. Uh, Father, uh, don't you see it's heart-shaped meant for the newlyweds? You're not supposed to be sitting here. Well, there's yeah. supposed to be spot for yeah. Jesus. But no, 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 no. Um, no, so like y you don't as go into something assuming that you are the most important, no matter what, you know, because you're not. No matter what, and whenever we enter into a situation, when we go, we're not the most important person that walks into the room. And we pray that Christ is in there already because he is the most important person that enters that room. And so it feeds back into what I always say. When I meet someone for the first time, and I'm very bad at this, but when I meet someone for the first time or the third time or the hundredth time, I hope that when they meet me, they're not meeting Andy, they're meeting Jesus Christ first. Because that that's supposed to be our goal, that's supposed to be our mission, is proclaiming the good news. And so that's a really good point to bring up with this being on rocky soil, is if we're putting ourselves or the worldly matters first, we are looking into disordered affections and we're not actually paying attention to what is most important. Yeah, don't worry about not knowing the scripture reference because, you know, in Daily Mass, we're reading from Letter to the Hebrews, and the author says somewhere in scripture. Yeah, yeah. So I always feel like, hey, Father Pat, why do I need to cite everything on my scripture paper? Like scripture itself just says, oh, yeah, somewhere else in the Bible somewhere a guy said this. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, and I think th that example of the spider plant when you replant it is really uh, key here is the roots come out first. Right. Like you said, if you want this worldly prestige and honor, that's like wanting the, the stock of the grain to grow first. But no, you're, you need to grow your faith. And that's like the unseen part. Exactly. Because like when you plant a seed, you put it in the ground and you don't see anything for a while. But in the seed, there's incredible things happening, right? It's extending its roots and eventually it's going to pop through the soil. Um, so that's I like how you brought in the uh, that analogy there of the parable of the wedding feast is do the humble things first. And then by chance, if you're exalted, you know, praise God for that. But you shouldn't just seek out after that because – it's like a, uh, a, you know, a seed of wheat that grows on rocky soil because it has tiny little roots. And it's like, yeah. okay, I'm good. I'm going to grow now. Yeah. The sun comes in and boom, takes it out. Yeah. Um, so true. So I, true. I think, I think we should, let's move on to the yes. uh, rich soil. So like what happens when it works? Um, so with the numbers, like the 30, 60, and 100 fold, some of the church fathers said um, this, it's like what you could yield in comparison to your old way of life. So let's say, you know, uh, you you are you are rocky ground, or it's growing with thorns, and you learn how to till that out, till the rocks out. You pull the thorns out, then you could yield up to sixty. You could yield up to 30, 60, or or a hundredfold. Um, and I always thought that it's interesting thinking about the thorns because if they grow together, then there's no fruit. The grain or whatever fruit or vegetable you're growing, it'll grow, and it could be a healthy plant but never bear fruit. So I thought that was an, as an extra part, like say sure. you're going to mass, you, you pray before bed, you pray before meals, you say the rosary once a week, but there's no other growth there. Yeah. yeah you'll be a healthy plant, but it's not going to bear like fruit. And that fruit is not for the plant. It's for other people, right? True. You're supposed to pluck, harvest, make food out of. Um, 
Yeah, that's a really good point. I, that's a really good point because we also, another place in scripture, it says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will remain just a single grain of wheat. But if it falls to the ground and dies, it will produce much fruit. So we can kind of connect this into that idea too because of the fact of the importance of, um, you know, that fruit is of no value in and of itself, right? It has no value in and of itself unless it is taken to the next level, either consumed by someone else or then is given back to um, continue to build up other, you know, communities and other people. So like the idea when we talk about this scripture passage, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a single grain of wheat. So if we take that into a human perspective and try to understand it from our ways, Unless we die to self and die to our self wants and and um, you know what we think we need and actually enter into what God is asking of us, then you know that fruit is there, right? That fruit of the goodness that of God has given us, that's there. But if we don't give it back, it's of no value because it's useless. Exactly. You know, and uh, another thing that I would want to throw in here, another scripture passage is from James. Um, you know, I will show you my faith in my works, right? You know, faith without works is dead. You know, uh, you can have the greatest faith in the world and you can say, I believe in Jesus Christ, but if you're not living it out, then that's not true. That's a lie because Christ is calling you and you can't just say, I believe in Jesus Christ and that's it. Because what does Christ say to you? It's not just say, I believe in you and then you're done. No, no, no. Once we have faith and we believe in it, he tells us, go, go into the world, tell the good news, tell everyone, don't let it just be something you hold on for yourself. He doesn't say, okay, believe, and then you're done. He says, go. <laughs> so there's some sort of action there with it. It's not enough just to say, I believe. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people, they kind of get comfortable with a status quo. Uh, my pastor this weekend had one of those, uh, he kind of called people out in the homily. He said, you're doing these things, but you need to like evangelize and like tell your neighbor about Jesus and about the church and like bring them to church. Um, I think there is, you know, and we know plenty of people like that. Either our friends are or our friends' parents and they're just nominal Catholics. You know, they do come to mass and they give money, but it's, it's not like living and breathing. And I think that's why at least a lot of people our age have left the faith is because their parents, although they're like great Catholics, they didn't like give them a deep living, breathing faith, you know, or tell them you could have a personal relationship with Christ. Absolutely. It's kind of going through the motions. That is so true. Um, yeah. The last thing I want to talk about here uh, yeah. is you said you, we have to do, you have to do some work, right? You can't just expect the sower to do all the work. You have to be good soil. Uh, so St. Augustine says about uh, the last part of the parable, the rich soil, he says, uh, work diligently the soil while you may. Break up the toughened ground with the plow. Cast away the stones from your field and dig out the thorns. Be unwilling to have a hard heart, such as, such as makes the word of God have no effect. Be unwilling in layer of soil in which the root of divine love can find no depth in which to enter. It's, it's like, it's so great. Be unwilling to be these other types of soil. Yeah. Like, sure, you may have a hard life. You may have lots of suffering. Be unwilling to be rocky soil. Or maybe you do have earthly anxieties and cravings, but don't let it grow up among thorns. Because if you let it, 
you know, it, it's game over because the sower has done his work and you haven't done yours. Right. And then you have the excuse. It's like, oh, no, but my faith isn't growing. Right. So I just, I just love that word. Be unwilling to be thin soil. Like even if life is hard, your faith take root. Yeah. Yeah. Unwilling. I mean, it just gives that negative connotation. And for once we're being told to do something that is negative. And what is the negative thing? To be, it's it's like, a, it's a double negative in a sense in, in kind of what I would see it as is be unwilling to do something. And what is it that we're unwilling to do is be useless. We're unwilling to be useless. Or maybe a better way to put it is we are unwilling to give in to Lucifer. We are unwilling to give in to evil. We are unwilling to give in to laziness. We are unwilling to give in to that want for self-satisfaction and self-pleasure, but rather to die to self, to make ourselves in line with the will of God so that we can do his will on this earth. And so we are unwilling to do anything less. Yeah, that reminds me of... um... In Latin, when they teach you imperatives, like do something, don't do something, um, for the don't do it, it's a negative form of, of volo, which is to will, and it's uh, nolo. So like if I said to you, do not disturb me, it'd be like, you know, noli perturbare, or to a group, nolite perturbare. So it's, it's not even saying don't bother me. It's saying don't be, don't even be willing to bother me. Um, so I, I think that's, and again, Augustine's writing in Latin, I should look that up, but it's even more than just not doing something. It's not even like imagining that you right. do it. Like it's so, it's going so far back in your mind that like you're not even going to think about doing it. Right. Yeah, that is a really good point because you know um, we talk about the temptation to do evil, and so how is it that you avoid temptation? Or don't even get into that area that's going to tempt you. So know yourself better. You know, know what your temptations are going to be. And get away from those temptations. Don't even be willing to entertain those temptations, right? If you are um, like me and fat and lazy and you know you don't need to eat, don't put yourself in the kitchen after dinner. Stay away from the mm-hmm. kitchen. Do what you need to stay away from that. I mean, that's a really ridiculous situation. But I mean, if you think no, about it, that makes sense. Any anything that is tempting to us. Anything that is going to cause us to fall from grace, you need to not even be willing to be around it because it's not worth the temptation. Um, because yeah. just the what do we ask in confession um, that we would avoid any temptation, avoid any possibility of doing anything that is sinful? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess uh, the last thing I'll say is. Again, talking about like my parents is uh, we used to have a garden in the backyard and every spring we had a, a gas powered tiller and they would take turns tilling the tilling that garden and man, like it wore them out. It'd be for hours at a time. It was hard work. It was really nice when there were flowers there and uh, fresh vegetables and, you know, when it was super green in the summer. So it can be backbreaking labor to get the rocks and the thorns out of your spiritual life, but always going to be worth it when you see, when you get the results. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so true. So uh, we need to continue to put in that hard work because that is the only way that we're ever going to enter into the kingdom of God. Not, not saying, not trying to be Pelagian here and say that we can earn our salvation, but we 
have to still put in the effort because it's not enough just to say that we believe in God, but we have to put in the next bit of effort and say that we are following him and doing his will. So. Got it. Be good soil and cooperate with the sower. Sounds good. And uh, Henry just set off the alarm. And so I believe that is telling us now at 35 minutes in of recording uh, that we are done because I think he wants to go sit down and uh, go to bed because we are now an hour past his bedtime. And he has been oh, giving no. me this horrible look since we started recording. Poor Henry. Yeah. So, well, thank you, AJ, for saving me again. And uh, so it's good to have you here as always. Uh, for uh, those who are listening, AJ is going on his canonical retreat starting next Tuesday. So you will be on silent retreat from Tuesday through the following Sunday, right? Yes. Very good. And so uh, that's an important step towards ordination. God's blessing on you and all the other guys. And of course, Brother Barnabas will be there with you guys on his canonical retreat. So that's a very good experience. Um, I hope you enjoy yourself. It's going to be a little different because you're at St. Emma's and it's not Christmas time. So you won't have all those crazy, yeah. crazy Christmas decorations. Oh, yeah. Or all the nativity so, sets. Yeah, or all the nativity sets. Yeah, they have so many. So... Um, Got, uh, enjoy your time there and uh, as always if you are listening to this somehow you found us but if you for some reason have stumbled across us we thank you for joining us tonight uh, continue to listen to our meditations and mostly ramblings as we gather try to gather at least once a week uh, and produce what we somehow for some reason call a podcast I don't know AJ to this day why anybody wants to listen to me but yet uh, you know, patting myself on the back and saying I'm so darn important. Um, uh, they do. They keep tuning in, the, the five people. And <laughs> for some reason, your mother's listening to me ramble right now, and I, I don't know why. So <laughs> God bless, uh, you know, Mrs. Gedney. She's a lovely lady, and thank you so much for being our fifth listener. So uh, hopefully someday <laughs> we can increase that number. But in all seriousness, thank you all for listening tonight. Please follow us over at countermercy.com.org.live, whatever you want to go to. And uh, make sure to bookmark our podcast as well as find us on any of your social media platforms. We are slowly doing better at that. Um, and for tonight, have a wonderful night, and we will talk to you next week.